Can we all just orgasm and we'll just record the noises for an hour straight? Hi, and welcome to Sci-Fi Cross-Sections. This is a podcast dedicated to everything sci-fi, be it film, television, books, video games. We'll talk about it, we'll dissect it, and tell you what we think about it. Hello, and welcome to episode 9 of Sci-Fi Cross-Sections. Today, we are going to talk about... Stranger Things. Uh, who do we have here today? Mark, Matt, Eric, Ben, Jason, and I'm Colin. Uh, before we begin, though, we are going to cover some of the newer stuff that's popped up in the uh, realm of sci-fi. Uh, ben, do you have anything? Yeah. So you guys hear about that crappy Han Solo solo movie uh, that is guaranteed to suck 100%? <laughs> we all heard about that, right? Starring Alden Ehrenreich, who's only proven himself in Hail Caesar, and even then, it was an okay movie, and his role was okay. I have not heard of it. Oh, you you haven't heard of Han Solo Solo? No. The Han Solo Solo Young Solo movie? (laughs) Well, it turns out that they are now casting Young Lando, and uh, apparently, rumor has it in the rumor mill, according to... Oh no, my sources aren't ready. Oh no... I'll, I'll give the source after. So he, uh, apparently Donald Glover is in the running and top choice for Childish Landino. Uh, <laughs> I'm excited for the Young Lando trilogy. Yeah, like, honestly, honestly, that's it, that's the only thing that's saving this movie right now for me because I, I have a man crush on Donald Glover. Like, I'll be watching Atlanta when that starts. I, I listen to Atlanta, his albums. That's it. Yeah. I listen to his albums consistently at work. It's the only thing that gets me through the day. And, <laughs> oh, God, I, I have coworkers that listen to this crap. <laughs> but, he, you know, the, the movie as a whole sounds like it's awful because young Han Solo was Star Wars. So, <laughs> but I'm still excited for uh, Childish Landino. I think that'll be fun. Well, this, this isn't young Han Solo. This is a younger Han Solo. Mm-hmm. You mean like he's a kid? No, because Alden Ehrenreich is like the same age that Harrison Ford was when he played Han Solo. So this is literally like just a retcon of how Han looks. <laughs> like we got to go back and like paste Alden Ehrenreich's face into the scene in Episode Seven. We could digitally do it. We could. George Lucas might. Do. Well, no, George Lucas. Can't. They're gonna add. I guess I'm He's gonna sneak into the studios and actually do that himself. <laughs> With Adobe Photoshop. Oh, actually, I guess I should uh, get this source up. Oh, crap, I wrote Starways. Just cut this part out. (laughs) Starways. Starways. Birth Movies Death.com has reported this. Okay, that's a credible source. Good for Birth Movies Death.com. The rap reported it before them, which is an actual credible source. Uh, (laughs) So. I'm going to pull that over into more credible sources. So we have a 
CBS News came out with something today, and uh, Brian Fuller, the uh, showrunner for the Star Trek series, sat down and finally started giving information about the show instead of it being like in the abyss somewhere. We have no idea what the show's about. Um, the official soundtrack is being written by the Beastie Boys, right? Uh, no. <laughs> I'm sure they, cons- I'm sure they considered it, though. But uh, So basically what he said is the main character is going to be a female. Uh, she's not going to be a captain. There's going to be a captain, but the main focus of the show is going to be like a lieutenant commander or something. Uh, he also said that they are going to have a gay character. He said since the episode of Voyager where he actually... Uh, there was rumor going around that Seven of Nine was going to be uh, gay. He got nothing but hate mail, and he saved all that hate mail in a box in his garage <laughs> to this day with the promise that if he ever gets control of his own Star Trek show, he's going to make a gay character. <laughs> so he said that's definitely going to happen. He said it's also going to be a racially diverse cast. Uh, the first season is going to cover like a massive event that has been alluded to many times in Star Trek, but we've never actually seen. I'm assuming it's going to be like the Kobayashi Maru or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, That'd be cool. That would be a really and, cool event. And it's going to take show. place in between Enterprise and the original series. Which would make sense for the Kobayashi Maru. But it's going to take place close, like really close to the original series. So, so there's a... We'll have to look forward to this, TD. Yeah. Which they also said they're really excited to not be on broadcast television and they can actually explore a lot of adult themes that they normally could. That's cool. Which I think is pretty neat. That actually would be like my biggest hope for the show is that they can... Adult themes? Adult themes. It's it's villains bad, little Billy. (laughs) (laughs) It's really funny because like I'm excited about the show, but like I wasn't, you know, subscribed to CBS All Access excited about the show. But uh, I, I will just because I, I'll, just, I'll do it. It, for... was, it was just announced that there's a Fall Big Brother season now on CBS All Access only, <laughs> so I'm like justified. Well, I'm excited. I like, I will subscribe, and as soon as the season's over, I'll probably just unsubscribe again. Yeah, and yeah. buy it like on Amazon or something, or however they let me buy it when it comes out. But that's about it for Star Trek. What else do we have to talk about? Oh, yes. Uh, Sci-Fi, the channel, S-Y-F-Y, is actually... CP. Uh, CP. Is developing a new series based off the book Brave New World. Mm. Uh, for those who don't know, Brave New World was written in 1931 by uh, Aldous Huxley. And it's just a really neat show that basically is a critique on where the future of society is going. You know, like classical conditioning, psychological manipulation, things like that. Is that what they plan on doing with the show, though, or is it going to be like a soap it's an, opera? It's an adaptation. Set oh, in a movie. It'll take place in, like, Vancouver or something. It's going to be but, called Aldous. There's nothing, there's nothing but, no, like is, 1930s sci-fi disappointedly, disappointingly adapted into modern times. Yeah, but they said this is going to be the television adaptation you mean like of I the Frankenstein? Book. It's going to be called Brave New World or something. I don't know. That's exciting. We'll see where that goes. No, it is. It's it's a landmark in. <laughs> you know that movie got a three percent on Rotten Tomatoes review. What was Aaron Eckhart thinking? <laughs> I think he was thinking about a paycheck. <laughs> I bet you he has no regrets. Um, none at all. Yeah, all that Harvey Dent money dried no, up. No, but... 
It, it's cool. Right now! <laughs> <laughs> Why are you coming for me? <laughs> so, no, I think uh, this Brave New World will be something worth watching or at least paying attention to as they're gearing up. Yeah, it's towards it coming out. It's, yeah, it's a landmark piece of literature, so we'll see how they yeah. butcher it. <laughs> I mean, that's usually what happens. That's, I'm just saying. I, I hope it's good. Wait, wait, no. Sci-fi has actually been turning around and putting out quality. They have been definitely. So they might yeah. take this one seriously. I mean, one of our favorite sci-fi shows is now out in sci-fi. So. Yeah, that's true. Yes, and I still want to give Twelve Monkeys a try at some point. Yeah, oh, here's here. a great show yeah. uh, in my queue. So, lastly, that I want us to talk about. Dad would be uh, No Man's Sky. Woo! Uh, unfortunately, there's only two people here that can actually add to that. Game. The rest <laughs> of us haven't played the game. I'm afraid to get addicted. I just, I'll get around to it. I'll probably buy it soon. But uh, Jason and Ben, if you guys want to take this one away, I will. So, um, I bought No Man's Sky in the midnight release, which it was kind of interesting because I haven't been to a midnight release in a while. But like as I was there droves of people just started showing up and I actually couldn't find a GameStop <laughs> in our area that was doing a midnight release because there weren't enough pre-orders hmm. and I went to the one um, that was you know in uh, close by and they said oh we're expecting like maybe 10 people you know whatever and like as I was standing there with my sister more and more people walk in and then by you know the time you know 11 o'clock rolled around because Everything gets ruined now, and there's no midnight releases anymore. Just like there's no midnight showings of movies anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like 50 people there. So that was kind of interesting first. So we started playing the game, and I think since it came out, uh, it will be this last Tuesday. Um, I've probably got, you know, a good 12 hours into it, I would say. And um, I enjoy it. It's very, uh, I think it lives up to a lot of the promises that Hello Games and Sean Murray made. Um, I've seen a lot of criticism of the game online on like Reddit and you know all of your other kind of internet forums. Um, and some of them I can agree with or I can at least see where the arguments are being made. And some of them I, I think they're being a little too harsh considering how much of a technical achievement the game is. Like just looking at it in terms of that, it's, it's never been done before. Um, but I don't know. I'm enjoying it. I'm not far enough along to where I can really say the type of longevity it has, but it seems to me like the type of game I can just kind of pick up and play when I have time. But, you know, it's, it hasn't grabbed me to where I'm, I need to be playing at every waking moment of the day, but uh, I enjoy it. I don't regret the purchase. That's definitely it. First of all, our No Man's Sky the game is a toxic subreddit. At least it was on launch day. I, I haven't gone back since because I went. I went on there mm-hmm. excited about the game. And I wanted to see what other people have done, and it was people complaining because two players happened to find each other mm-hmm. and they couldn't see each other and blah blah blah. But no one noticed that we all lost connection to server. We I lost connection to server that Tuesday first night. Thing, yeah. yeah, it's it, it was gone. So very likely that's what happened. Uh, and people are already calling for Sean Murray's head, which is. Annoys the hell out of me. He seems like such a nice guy. That's too. exactly like, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. is so Red. humble. No man's lie. Red. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, but it's exactly like Jason said, where it's, you know, I'm not ready to give a for sure verdict on it. I probably put in about 12 hours. Also, two of those hours, I was just, I was just lost. Not actually lost, but I was just exploring this planet. 
every time I saw something interesting, I saw another interesting thing a minute and a half walk away. And so I was like, all right, let's go. And this planet was just had tons of crap. And it was actually getting to the point where I was like, okay, I need to stop finding things. I want to leave this planet. <laughs> yeah. you know? And, and you know, I'm now very pretty fluent in Viking now. Uh, we're cool. I'm, I outrank most of the Viking aliens that I come across because they either threaten me and I, I report them or they try to leave their post and I report them. So that's always fun. Uh, I did manage to uh, uh, agree to be married to a Viking at mm. some point. That was fun too. Um, I got gifts. I got the dowry for that. I don't know when I'm getting my bride, but uh, <laughs> it's in the mail. I guess you should have so. gotten Amazon Prime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm only in my second star system right now, still. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. It's just so huge. Mm -hmm. uh, it's you know you can kind of take it at your own pace. But one of the things so far, it's been a takeaway just in my brief time with it is that it raises the bar for that type of exploration in even some of the other games that we like. For instance, this is what, at least in terms of the space exploration, I wanted Destiny to be. Yeah. It's what I thought Destiny Absolutely. was going to be when they announced it. And also now thinking of a game that's upcoming, like, you know, Mass Effect Andromeda or something like that, it's going to really have to kind of raise the bar in terms of its exploration or else it's just going to fall flat. Because now, okay, yeah, it's all procedurally generated, but this is something that's possible now. If I can't explore a whole planet in a sci-fi game from here on out, I'm going to be mad. Because I know you can now, so don't lie to me and say <laughs> yeah. you can't. No, no Man's Sky comes out a week later, Mass Effect and Drama delays uh, release <laughs> by five years. That's exactly <laughs> what no, but it's like, it's like, suck it up, pay the licenses for the pat patents. If you're making a sci-fi video game from here on out, I have to explore the whole planet, or you're out. You're 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 done. You're behind. You're left if behind. If it's a space game, a if space it's a space game, game, Destiny Two. You're, they're developing Destiny Screw Two that. now. They better go. We need to make all of Mars right this second because they can. Don't lie to me. I know you can now. <laughs> Sean Murray did it. So <laughs> at the end of the day, and the, and let's talk about that speedrunner really quick. The guy that got it early. I know we got to move on, but really quick, I want to say, dude, don't go telling people that. You beat it in 30 hours, you got to the center in 30 hours, because, congrats, you literally missed the entire game. I, I'm convinced it took him 30 hours just to get the materials, and then hyperspace, and then yeah. jump to the next system, and then jump to the next system, and jump to the next system. Like, if you don't explore those planets, which there's tons of content already, like, I'm getting, I'm learning languages, I'm meeting other aliens, it's, it's, you're not if you if you have to play Destiny and you're a really competitive person and you're like ah, I need to I need to be the best like uh, like one of our friends you know <laughs> you you're not you're gonna hate this game I'll tell you that straight up you will hate this game if you're a person who's chill who wants to explore a universe who wants to you know this just is some electronic. My character, I named my character Arthur C. Clarke. <laughs> That's my character. He's exploring and walking up to monoliths right now. <laughs> so if you're that kind of person who just, you know, gets lost in your own imagination, you'll love it. Last thing, and then we'll move on. What did you name your starting planet slash system? Uh, I had this stupid idea that I have since abandoned that I was going to name it what it looks, what it, what it looks like, like what it sounds like phonetically into like what it looks like like as far as like actual language you know what i'm saying no I idea. there's there's a word for it <laughs> like if you see like blah, 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 like typed out but it looks more like this like if you say it it sound it looks like this word anyway it's called i over honey 
because I was like, I was like, this, this, this name looks like I over honey. I have since abandoned that because that was a dumb idea. I haven't uh, started. I'm gonna start naming my planets here on out. I, I was like, oh, I don't feel like it. There's too much to explore. Yeah. But I will now. I've decided that I do want to start naming my, my planets. My so. starting system is the Squatch system, <laughs> the Squatch and system. my starting planet was Yeti Prime. Yeah. Uh, I did name my starting my starting system Constantinople. So I had my money on cool. Alpha Venturi, but you know. So we'll we'll have an update as more members of the group either get it or Ben and I yeah. keep playing or stop playing. Just stay tuned for the tales it. of the interlude. We should get some comp copies now. I mean, that was a pretty good promo for yeah. the game, right? right? Sean Murray, give us free stuff. Yeah. Please. <laughs> I love you. I don't want you. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> <laughs> that was the news. So I don't really like news. There was really news. It was kind of just a casual discussion about things. Sci-fi things. Uh on to Stranger Things. On now we're gonna talk about things. how much Stranger Things sucked. I do. Uh, I'd say uh, on opposite worth day. Worth <laughs> yes. I actually demanded Flat. Netflix give me my last month's uh Money back. Give me my seven ninety nine back. I want. Actually, I didn't get grandfathered. I'm at nine ninety nine now. But I demanded they give me my net because Stranger Things sucked so good. So, <laughs> and then they messaged you and said, Shh, "Baby, it's so okay." It's, personally, I just wrote Netflix into my will. It was so good. <laughs> oh boy. Where to start? Where to start? So where to start? Stranger Things. No season um, two officially announced yet. <laughs> it will be. So. Synopsis. Spoiler alert! Yeah. We're not going to. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to spoil. We're, gonna we're definitely going to spoil everything. Uh, Stranger Things. So now I will say this vehemently because I truly believe it. If you have not seen Stranger Things, turn it off because you need to see it. Because if you get anything ruined yes. for you or anything spoiled for you, the show will not have the same impact. I'm literally no. about to spoil it in like five seconds. Uh, well, I love us, but <laughs> we cannot do it justice. Time. It's right. such a good show. Alright, so turn it off now. Eleven dissolves at the end after she kills the Demigorgon. <laughs> you were warned. <laughs> wow! Oh, you're you were warned. Oh, it's over. <laughs> so, we're going to pull that back. And uh, Jason, why don't you give us a synopsis? <laughs> so, Stranger Things. <laughs> Stranger Things. Uh, it's a show that you're immediately, it, it's a love letter to the 80s, the 1980s. It's a love letter to science fiction. The science fiction that maybe was a little bit before when we grew up, or the people in this podcast grew up, but has influenced a lot of, if not all of, the important science fiction, entertainment, media, anything that have kind of really, we've come up with. Uh, so Stranger Things starts out... In a small Indiana town, interestingly enough, that is not the small Indiana town we're currently in, but it's a small Indiana town. We're not in a small Indiana town. Which, they're all small. We're in the internet. (laughs) We're in the internet. (laughs) But uh, Stranger Things starts out with uh, being introduced to these characters, uh, these kids, really, and they're... In this town, kind of slowly realizing that things aren't what they seem, I feel like there's so much we can break away into. Yeah. All right. May I? 
Ben, please, synopsis. All right. Three kids lose their uh, best friend after Will Byers disappears, once encountering a mysterious creature known as the Demogorgon on Merkwood Road. Uh, that's not the real name of the road. Uh, Will Byers' mother freaks out after his disappearance, uh, calls the sheriff Hopper, who is our other main character. So our characters are the three kids, Joyce, Will's mom, and Hopper. Hopper begins searching for Will and begins suspecting that uh, this mysterious lab in the town has something to do with it, uh, also uncovering the disappearance of another girl. Meanwhile, uh, on the same night that Will disappears, a little girl is found. Uh, she has some kind of power where she can move things with her mind, a.k.a. telekinesis. Uh, she befriends Benny, the hero of the story, who was then shot, and goes to find the kids who... She becomes basically their E.T. <laughs> they, they uh, with her help, they begin searching for Will, Will Byers, while Nancy, one of the kid, Mike's uh, sister, begins searching for her friend, Barb, who disappeared on the night she had sex. Weird. So, Will Byers' brother, older brother, Jonathan, is also on the case with Nancy after he takes some weird nude pictures of her, but she's okay with it because it's the 80s. Uh, <laughs> what? Together, the kids with Eleven, Hopper and Joyce, and Jonathan and Nancy all begin going on the search for the same thing, but not teaming up, because that would ruin the show. Uh, for Will, who is trapped in the Will or Anbar, who is trapped in the Upside Down, aka the Veil of Shadows, which is the plane that this Demogorgon is from. A series of things happen. This weird doctor named Doctor Brenner is in charge of it all. Honestly, we could go into hours for this, but straight up, eventually, they have to save Will, Barb dies, and Tumbor gets really mad, and Eleven disappears after killing the Demogorgon, and they save Will. That's really a synopsis. That was a bad synopsis, too, but... You know, it's a tough I tried show. to make it quick. It's a tough show to give a synopsis. It to. is. Just as it was like an You're ensemble right. cast, it was like... The settings and the way that the story progressed were constantly jumping yeah. from one place to another, from one setting to another, from one like point of movement to another right. to keep things and fresh. They didn't converge until the end. Yeah, so yeah. exactly. I really couldn't. I'm sorry for my cockiness, Jason. But you're not. There was there was a, okay. It was so visually stimulating. <laughs> stimulating. It's difficult to struggle. sum up everything that you see in an episode. Mm -hmm. I mean. Yeah. I mean, you all saw it, so hopefully I... Jason would still be mind. talking about the scene where Will gets abducted. <laughs> <laughs> so the Demogorgon, this creature, this beast, so from another, lights are, lights are I another I, dimension. I just want to point out, I don't know what D&D &D game they were playing, but I have never encountered a monster named the Demogorgon. You've never heard of the Demogorgon? Before? Is that an actual thing? Yeah. I stand correct. I mean, is it like God of the Gorgons or something? Is that the idea here? Right? This demi sort of is it like a half? No. Okay. All right. <laughs> I, don't think, I, I don't think you. So, can, I don't think you can break things down like that. <laughs> we'll edit that out. Anyway, what do we got? Uh, what are our points of discussion today, Mr. Collin? So I would like to start off talking about the Duffer Brothers. That yeah. is Matt and. I have a question about that actually. What? Uh, it's Matt and Ross Duffer. Who the hell are they, and are they a superior form of Hillary Duff? Uh, actually, it was it said that when they Trick combine question. together, they become Hillary Duff. Got it. 
two duffers. <laughs> they know duffers make a duff. <laughs> they they oh, have two so penises, it's, and when you put it's two it's, penises together, so are they the actually, are they the it's really simple are they the really designated ugly fat friends? It's actually when when the duffer brothers combine together, they form a duffy yacht. <laughs> Duffyat! <laughs> the stuff, so, duffers and nope. Duffyat. That's a straight up question I have, and I feel like that's a question no, that a lot, brothers, viewers, a lot of listeners are going to have. The Duffer who brothers, the hell are the Duffer the brothers? The Duffer brothers are not known for much at all. Exactly. If you look back at like their track record, they haven't done much. Uh, this is they've directed four. They've directed like four things together. They've been producer on five, all small stuff. Um, this wasn't like Netflix went out there and sought the Duffer Brothers to make a show. No. In fact, uh, the Duffer Brothers shopped it to over 20 networks I, before I finally like landing on Netflix. my mind. It's like 50 blows to my 20, mind. somewhere around there. Yeah. Before landing on Netflix. Right. Big, well, no one would have it. Yeah. Everyone said, everyone said, you want this to start the four kids. And they're like, yeah. And they go, so it's a kid's show. And they're like, no. And they're like, so they need to be teenagers or adults. And you're like, no. They go okay, then leave, and that was every meeting. They said, yeah, every meeting. Th- that was my wow. first, my first thought after finishing the series, or really while the series was going, because you know the the amazing title card, you know every episode, you know created by the Duffer Brothers, and I'm thinking, who the hell are these guys? <laughs> right. How do I not know who these guys are? This is phenomenal. Like this is amazing. This is so well done, and I've just never heard of them. And it, to me. Wow, like what a what a great statement because they've grabbed everyone's attention now. I'm glad they put their foot down on that. You needed to have the kids in this because there were so many like sort of cheesy lines and like the the fact they were paying homage to all this sci-fi, you needed the kids to deliver those parts of it. Otherwise it would have been just goofy for adults to do it. And it's it's crazy because I thought all the good child actors died in the eighties. Yeah. So like <laughs> to find to find you know these great child actors who yeah. who weren't annoying, who weren't like wow Just, that line was delivered yeah. poorly. Mm. Like they were believable kids, and yeah. most importantly, I loved them. Yes. Yeah, I want to be their best friend. I want to be Mister Clark. <laughs> I, I will say though, it's very telling of the fact that they were kicked out for not wanting to follow. These very specific, like preset, like what a show should be. If it mm-hmm. involves kids, it's a kids show. That was my favorite thing about this show, like all around, was the fact that it bucked stereotypes yeah. on a regular basis. You didn't have like a jock character in this, and that everybody grew, everybody changed, everybody was a unique person. It didn't well, feel like everything you've seen in the past. Some of those douchebag friends. Well, even All, Steve, though, yeah. wasn't a jock. He was a lion. It was because of his hair. That was a bad dream. Well, and in the last The term you're looking for is dynamic. Well, dynamic. Thank but you. Same thing. It's, it's a show that's based around... So, so the Duffer Brothers had this concept for this show based around kids as the main characters... But they didn't make it, they, they didn't water it down. It's not a kid's show. It gets very dark. Oh, yeah. Like, extremely dark. Like, people die. Like, it's very, you know, violent at, no. at times. No, Jason. Barb dies. Oh, Barb dies. There are a lot not of people. Not people. Barb. How many people? She has died? a name. Barb died. How many other people died, though? Because they had flat out Nameless soldiers. What was it, like five people? Don't I think, care. I think Hopper says five people went missing since 
Uh, Were any of their names Barb? Oh boy, the ending just became a shit show at that point. Yeah, they really gloss over all those deaths. Well, just just the fact, though, that they they didn't water anything down. They made a commitment to the type of vision they had, the type of show, and the type of story they wanted to tell. And they did it. They stuck with it. So there's scenes that would not fly Mm -hmm. in, you know, a PG kids movie, you know, or a uh, a Spielbergian sort of, you know, uh, play on this type of science fiction where you kind of think that like, oh, okay, fine. This is kind of, you know, um, sweet. And, you know, there's certain scenes where you're like, oh, the kids, yeah, this is great. Like, I love them, (laughs) but they weren't afraid to go where the story needed to go and to be, to be believable. So I thought that was admirable of the creative team behind it. Mm -hmm. The other thing that has been, I guess, renowned with this show or or the renown that it's kind of gotten since it came out has been for the soundtrack. Yeah. Mm. Which, all right, this cracks me up. When they were looking for a composer for this show, at one point they literally just got on Spotify. This is how, like, small time the Duffer Brothers were. They went on Spotify to find a composer. It's it's great, though. They didn't have the budget to go out and get, like, a big Hollywood or big TV composer. They actually just went on Spotify and they found a band. Yeah. Uh, what's the name of the band again? Uh, oh, yeah. Survive with a space in between each letter. Big name. Um, and basically, everything that you hear on the show, that's the music they make. Big name for big music. People like but fresh, though. That it's great. It, it's such... A, I, I said this to Colin earlier. Like It's such a 21st century like way of collaborating. Because yeah. I've done that with my band and with other you know ventures. I've gone on you know, DeviantArt or some site and, hey, your art's really cool. Will you let me use this? Or will you create something for me? And this is just some random person. They're not making money off of doing this. They're just... Mm-hmm. You know, promoting their art in in uh, avenue that you know lets them. Oh, okay, we'll you know, we'll host your songs for free. You know, on SoundCloud or whatever other sites are out there. And it's like it's it's really cool that you got one creative team looking to other creative people and saying, hey, let's just collaborate. We don't have really any money right now, but you know, let's try it out. Uh, I think it's great. Yeah, so they they found them on like Spotify and basically. Not the whole band was able to make it. They couldn't afford all four members because they had to be full-time positions to, like, write this music. They started writing the music while the scripts were being written. Wow. Yeah. They, that's when they started to write them, and they were, like, using them with, like, with casting and stuff. But uh, only only two of the members from the band Survivor, uh, Michael and Kyle, they, uh, they said since then, the show's come out they're working on trying to get like the licensing rights to like those songs for like their album yeah so they can actually like make money off of it not gonna happen <laughs> Netflix <laughs> will never do it that's probably not but I think uh, I think they're just trying to Survivor was the band that wrote I think Eye of the I Tiger think... too by the way huh Survivor was the band that wrote Eye of the Tiger it's Survive <laughs> I know Sur- you said Survivor I, I think yes, it's safe totally to, did a couple of times. I think <laughs> it's, okay. it's safe to say that Survive's not gonna survive this battle with Netflix. <laughs> no, I honestly probably not, but I'm sure that they'll keep working. Well, it, on it's the show. It's a great example of the 
the music design for the show being almost another character. Yeah. Because yeah. they were going for this very 80s John Carpenter, like, analog synth type sound. And I love it. I love that sound just in my musical preferences, let alone my my media or what I'm, you know, watching. And just the fact that, okay, the show is trying to crystallize this time and place. It's trying to make you feel like it's the 80s. The show is set in the 80s, but that's just another element that they utilize so well to convey that. And they found the best people for the job. And to me, it doesn't sound, it, it sounds contemporary enough in the way that it's done, where it doesn't sound cheesy or like overwrought, but it's just, it's really good. Like I'm excited, I'm gonna buy the soundtrack on its own just because I enjoy listening to it that much. You know what's funny is, I, I love that you said that it itself is a, uh, a character, the soundtrack on the show. And that brings me to a, another strong character from the show, which is Dungeons and Dragons. Think about it. If you do not have Dungeons and Dragons in this show, it would have taken itself too seriously. But by the kids trying to ex- like make sense of everything and yeah, explain it by what they know, they related yeah. it to Dungeons and Dragons in their heads, mm-hmm. and that allowed it plays with your emotions because then the show's not quite as serious because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, that's the demigorgon. There was this great shot. Oh, it's on Mirkwood Road. What's Mirkwood Road? Well, it's not the <laughs> actual name of the road, but we call it Mirkwood Road. It's from The Hobbit. <laughs> there was this great shot when um, all the people from the from the company are going through the house, mm-hmm. and they're just they're just tearing everything apart and looking for any signs of Eleven. And there's a guy, and they have that book laid out that they they flipped open their it's like the their Xerox copy their Xerox copied monster yeah. manual. And the, he's he's like got a magnifying glass. He's like flipping through the book, like reading. All he's got like a pen that he's like using to flip oh, the pages, yeah. and he's like reading it. I love so that. intently. <laughs> this is supposed to be the eighties. Did they even sell like like dungeon manuals yeah, at that yeah. point? Yeah, 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 they, yeah. Okay, I know there was a like, and they were still expensive. Multi-decade <laughs> point in time when Dungeons and Dragons was entirely fan driven, and there was no industry behind it. So I didn't know if this was... No, that's not true. No, yes, it is. There was a time. Well, it might not have been known as Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons was originally fan driven. Dungeons and Dragons is what made tabletop gaming. Yeah, like in the actual, like you buy the book and before it was just like, yeah, you just roll some dice and it's all free and it's all fan driven. Then Gary Gygax came out with Dungeons and Dragons. And that changed the scape of tabletop gaming 100%. Okay, so like the name Dungeons and Dragons was like that, that came from the. And, and if I recall, they were playing on AD&D. the scene. Okay, okay. So. It, it felt very too. Like, yeah, AD&D. Advanced D&D. Oh, it's oh. 2.0. I didn't need. I just started. Like, I thought you were saying like AD&D, like it was a D&D. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I didn't no, think about that. Uh, it was too. It was very like story driven. It yeah. wasn't like heavy die and stuff. Yeah, I think that's that's one of the biggest reasons I immediately attached myself to those characters. I've played Dungeons and Dragons since I was like I had to be about their age, maybe a little really? bit older. Really? Yeah, yeah. I I had a teacher. I funny enough, I had a teacher. His name was Mister Mister Spencer. He uh, bought the gaming shop. Well, no, I had another teacher who did the news, and I was part of the news at first, and we brought up Dungeons & Dragons, and that teacher was like, oh, you should talk to Mr. S, he's, he's gonna do D&D. 
And I'm like, really? I'm like, I really want to know how to play that. And he's, Mr. S had ended up buying the gaming shop. He was a science teacher that saved our card gaming shop from being shut down. Ben, I'm sorry, but really quickly, what was his mustache like? Uh, S? <laughs> Mr. S was actually bald. He was like a naked Morat. <laughs> <laughs> the other dude had a goatee. I can't remember the other dude's name. It was like Mr. Greg or something. But, uh, so Mr. S, I went up to him and he's like, he's like, yeah, we're running a campaign. And that's how I got into it. So I really attached myself yeah. to these kids. You didn't even like, have like a soul patch or anything? No, not Mr. S. Oh. You know, these kids told the tragic tale of D&D though. A girl shows up, starts bleeding out of places, looks more like a woman, and D&D is over for everyone. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I met him. I know, I know, I know I'll all of us. You did just take <laughs> off on your childhood playing D&D and... Cool. But it was to paint a picture. It was to explain no, I, why it, it still why relates. the show appeals to adults. It still relates. And why the show pe- appeals to adults and why it appeals to especially people like us. We are Mike. We are Will. We are Lucas. We are what was the what was the Gap Tooth kid's name? The Gap Tooth Snacks McGee. I don't know. Sna- oh, Dustin. 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 We are Dustin. Uh, no, but. The entire time I'm watching this show, I just kept reverting back to at least once an episode. Oh, I just really want to play Dungeons and Dragons right now. I know. But I, I know that the way that they're playing, that's like an old form of playing Dungeons yeah. and Dragons. It's evolved so much more now, even in the storytelling, you know? They just yeah. republished AD&D, so you can. It's interesting that Dungeons and Dragons is such an essential part as a fantasy game of this sci-fi show. But it was the, a it beautiful blend heart. of like sci-fi and fantasy and the fact that you're yeah. dealing with a parallel universe which is very much as they said the like a shadow is realm explaining exactly and it's they're, blending they're, the two together they're, they're applying awesome the fantasy to it to make sense of it but it's all it's all yeah science and science fiction but uh <laughs> good stuff it really is. So D&D really was like a character in itself yeah. which is kind of what we were hitting on like yeah. the characters of the show it was a huge uh, plot device for the show to move it forward. And actually, it, it, from beginning to end, because at the end, Will becomes a wizard in a sense. He's now a shadow walker. He uh, can now travel to the Vale of Shadows, uh, which is I'm so excited. Oh for my it. god! If this if this show just ends with it, the whole time it just plays out like a long D and D like quest. Ooh, that would be kind of interesting. I mean, it is. It's a it's a quest. It's I mean, it'll probably quest. burn it for Jason, but. He's never played D&D, guys. It's a hero quest, though, at the end of the day. Our heroes are Mike and Lucas and Dustin, and then you've got these these other characters coming in and out, you know, Hopper, Nancy, uh, Eleven, and Eleven. Eleven is a hero, too. I'll definitely throw her in. I'm surprised with that take on the show. I mean, I felt like, yeah, the kids were, they're, they're so essential to what's going on, uh, but I really felt like it was truly... Uh, an ensemble cast where oh. everyone had like no one was overrepresented as a group and I felt like while these kids were a big part of what was going on it was always three or four of them at a time and Definitely. the adults they were they were split up but they were I meant as far as much. as far as like the kids go it's their hero quest oh other okay, people okay. Yeah. you know Hopper Hopper doesn't have a Dungeons and Dragons hero quest that's not his story his story is a detective story it's a redemption story Joyce is the story of a is the story of the mother with the missing child Nancy is the story of a teenager in the eighties I mean they're all different kinds of stories yeah I can see that they they pulled from that that's just like the horror in the thriller films from the eighties they 
pulled from everything they possibly could. Mm-hmm. It, it's almost perfect. For, but for the kids, it was a it was a hero okay. quest or not. Can you guys help me out? I'm I'm not a history buff. Was it legal for 15 year olds to get nose jobs in the 80s? Because I don't know. I don't know if history buffs could fucking tell you that, but maybe somebody who grew up in the eighties probably could. I think we're all children of the nineties, right? Oh uh, yeah. yeah. Well, oh, I was born in eighty five. Yeah. Yeah, but you're a child of the nineties. Yeah, exactly. I was gonna you say. You tell us, man. Being five. I mean, you didn't really form cognitive memory to what, like, 87, 88? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Who had a nose job, Nancy? I, I think. Yeah. I mean. I'm not criticizing. That's not, that's not bad. Yeah. I'm pretty sure well, she was possible she could have had right. it for surgery. Surgery. How I looked her up on IMDb. They don't have her age. I don't know how old. Some she is. some people. All right, freak. Probably on purpose. Some people are. <laughs> very, well, no, it, it's yeah. there, there are points where she literally looks like she's 17. There's points where I was like, she might be like 27, 28. <laughs> yeah, she definitely <laughs> she had one of those faces where, depending on the lighting and the angle, she looked very different. Well, how, but. Oh, go ahead. How old is Daenerys supposed to be at the beginning of Game of Thrones? Fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah, like, she's like in the book. In the book, in the book four, fourteen. In the book show, show is she's very different. In the show, even if it's eighteen, she's like twenty-seven when the show starts. Yeah. She like it's not uncommon. I'm kidding about the nose job thing. It's not uncommon for people to play a much younger. Yeah. Well, you know why, well, right? Age. Why the, it's an older actor playing? Yeah. The Why people? older actors play kids? It's cheaper. It's, uh, it's no, they can work longer hours. They can, yeah. yeah. Older, when yeah. you after eighteen, you can work fourteen Which hours a day. Uh, kids can yeah, only cheaper. work ten hours a day, and you have to have a break after five hours. Mm-hmm. What was uh, so. the the older brother in Hannah Montana was like thirty two? Yeah. Yes. Jackson. Jackson. Yeah. Hannah Montana. Yeah. Well. I don't have any comments on Hannah Montana, but I did want to say... <laughs> That's the next topic. I did want to say, in terms of all the, the the character arcs throughout the plot of the show and the different stories that it, it, it kind of tells, which that was a good point that I think Ben made, that it literally is a microcosm in eight episodes of the 80s and 80s cinema, and, and they hit on everything. Yeah. So, like, for me, uh, the, the sister's story, what was the sister's name again? Nancy. Nancy, Nancy okay. So, Nancy's story was, like, 16 Candles, like, totally, like, uh, I don't know, is it, was it John Hughes? Who yeah, straight, out, straight out of John Hughes. Like, totally really John Hughes movie. Like, every time she was in the scene, or it was, like, the Steve arc, or, like, you know, the, the, the boys, and, you know, back and forth, and her trying to decide, really, like who she likes and who's Steve, the better person. Jonathan. Yeah, the there we go. Nancy, and Nancy. The outcast. It, it, and I ended up really, I think, looking back on the show, I enjoyed all of the story arcs and all the storylines, but I really liked hers. Oh, yeah. Like, I thought absolutely. that was really interesting. It was really cool to see how that character grew in the beginning from the, oh, you guys are little dweebs. Oh, you know, like, total, like, kind of... Badass, dude. Nancy, yeah, and then Nancy, by the end, it's one like, of John Hughes's Molly Ringwald characters, like stepped into a Wes Craven movie. Yeah, and that's, that's it. That's a really good. Yeah. If, if Molly Ringwald, Pretty in Pink, stepped into Jason, like, or, well, no, that's not Wes Craven. If he stepped, she stepped into Friday Thirteenth, like, you badass, and that's what Nancy yeah. was. Nineteen, by the way. Yeah, I just looked it up too. Jason, I think you're really answering the the like big question I had for everybody already, which is. Why did they choose the 80s as their time period? I mean, I think there's like an obvious they didn't want people to have cell phones because that ruins any like sci-fi horror 
if because people are like, oh, why don't you just call and let him you know you're about to be sucked into this other dimension? So like they they remove that, but there that wasn't the only reason. It's a love letter. <laughs> Take a I'm selfie. Just picturing and, a Snapchat of her climbing into Snapchat the Snapchat of <laughs> the Demi Gorgon. <laughs> it's a love letter. It's a love letter from the '80s. It's it's E.T. meets Stand by Me and meets, yeah, and that's meets why I, yeah, my brother pointed out something interesting. So many cool. And he says that's this is so '80s because it doesn't look like everything that was new in 1983. It looks like things from the 70s. Yep. Things from the 60s. Yes. It looks livable. Like, people have lived in that house for 20 years. It was even... They didn't replace the furniture that was there in the 70s or the 60s. Mm -hmm. the it was even shot like was. an 80s movie. That was good. Right. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's well, like, even that's I, fantastic. They tried so hard to make it look like something that could be I was 80s. so struck by just... Be, because we've all grown up in, you know, a small Indiana town. And, yeah, but to me, just looking at, like, the set direction, the houses, the neighborhoods, the roads, the way the roads look, like, they nailed it. They mm -hmm. nailed it. Yeah. They couldn't have done a better job of setting the tone. And it, it is, it, again, like, the setting was a, a character. They did so well in, yes, focusing on the characters, the, the human elements, the, the, the actual characters in the story, but also really making sure that, you know... The music uh, corresponded with the actual setting, corresponded with the, the time period that they were trying to, you know, uh, show. And it was just, it was just done so well. I, I was, I was transported. You know, now that you mention it, by the end, like, they showed, like, a map when they were, like, axing things out, like, mm -hmm. this is where this happened, and this is where this happened. And I realized at that point that you already had a feel for this town. Yeah. By that point you knew where all these things were in relation to each other. And it was this weird, like, yeah, you felt comfortable. Yeah. You felt like you were from this town. There was a square, you know, yeah. there was a little town square, like we've got in multitudes around us. It was just, oh, yeah. it was really cool because, I mean, not everyone had that experience, but the minute, you know, I'm watching the first episode and they give you the setting and it's like, oh, you know, such and such Indiana, 1980, whatever. It's like, oh, okay, cool. You know, because... That's kind of where we're from, so we, we yeah. instantly you kind of have a connection to it. But plus, so much is set in uh, other places. It's nice to see something rooted where we know. Yeah, and it, it's just it's a very it's an it's not a very exciting setting, but I think that works yeah. in multitudes for the show for the type of story they were trying to tell. It's not set anywhere exciting. It's set. In a small Indiana town, the, Duff, the Duffer that. brothers actually wanted it to be filmed and set on the uh, Eastern Seaboard mm, because they want they wanted one final homage, and that was to Jaws. Yeah, and they wanted to have like a more coastal look to the whole setting. But Netflix and said, also Stephen King loves his new. I don't, I don't know oh, if yeah. this was like cost wise, but Netflix said no. This is going to take place in the Midwest, which mm -hmm. I mean, you could film the Midwest in a lot of different. Places yeah. Cheaply, so, so Colin, you said the word, and that is my big point with Stranger Things. My big point being, this is one of the, I'll say few. I'm sure there's a lot of examples out there, but at least for me, recently, this is one of the few examples of a show being homage, but being homage in a good way. It's, it's not ripping anything off mm -hmm. because there's a fine line between 
you're just ripping off elements from all these other things that were greater than what you're trying to make. And this, which I feel like is a total homage, it's got all these elements of all of these older films, this older time time period. Mm-hmm. It uses. I, I think someone made like a, a video with a bunch of like jump cuts of like all the different references that they put into it. There's a literal shot from Stand by Me. Yeah, it's exactly. Exact shot from but Stand it's by just. Me. It feels so like nostalgic, and it just feels like home, and it feels comfortable, and and you, you get what it is, and you get what it's doing, but you also can't fault it for it because it's just refreshing. It just because feels good. Their, their story at the end of the day was original, and well thought out. I don't feel like I wasted my time just watching like a reboot oh, or a rehash that Hollywood always does. No, yeah, this it's just like basically Super Eight where they. He captures the yeah. feeling you get from watching E.T., but puts it in a different context. You, you watch it, and then you look back at it and go, oh my god, this felt like this, that felt like this. Like, I didn't I didn't feel like I was watching those movies right. during the show, but the second an episode ended, you I could see think back and go, yeah. oh my god, you know, they referenced this, they referenced that, like... There were so many things that were I mean, drawn as, as soon as I saw, like, the bicycle with the light on the crowd, I was like, oh. That's, that's <laughs> another thing, too, that was, like, that really got caught me. It's like, I know you guys around here, growing up in this area, you don't really get to know what sidewalks are or, like, town squares are. I guess if you lived in the right spots, like. I've literally you know. lived in a lot of more places than you guys combined. Indiana, <laughs> Indiana sucks, around here at least, sucks when it comes to, like, bike around where I, I live yeah. I, I don't mind saying where I grew up I grew up in Lansing Illinois and like that's something to be too proud of <laughs> no I'm proud of I'm proud of growing up in Lansing Illinois it was a, it was a good All time right. Lansing is cool it, it's, 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 it has its issues nowadays but back then it was, it was it was chill and the whole like them jumping on their bikes and going somewhere like that was that was everything back then like the bike they it, it, oh he said it Hop, Hop said he wouldn't leave his bike behind. It's like a Cadillac to these kids. And it was. I had the Pacific Phoenix was my bike. <laughs> it was Pacific Phoenix. And it was my Cadillac. I, I rode it everywhere. Someone, If someone even threatened to harm my bike, it was over. I kicked that kid's ass. Done. Ben was the kid with the switchblade. That, 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 <laughs> no, no, I was, I was, I was definitely, I was definitely Dustin because I had a lisp because I didn't have two front teeth, and I was, I thought I was tougher than I was. <laughs> you want to, you want to go crazy homage though, uh, even, even further into the homage, just, just to point this out, Finn Wolfhard, the kid who plays Mike, has now been cast in it as the lead in it. So really? a remake interesting. Yeah. yeah. So he's just gonna be stuck in doing eighties movies. Nineteen eighties remakes. Yeah. Right. Somebody who didn't grow up in the eighties doing nothing but eighties films. Well if he has the look, <laughs> he's got the look. In the eighties they made movies about the sixties. As long as he's got the touch. <laughs> I don't even that that was not even uh, referencing anything. Do you, do you think the kid well, who plays Dustin is totally method be like knocked out his front song? teeth for the no, I think the Duffers turned him into a method actor when they knocked out his front teeth. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, it's time to teach you the word method. <laughs> well, another thing that I kind of just want to mention, because I feel like we kinda, we've kind of we kind of hit on the tone. So the, the tone, the setting, what they were kind of trying to do. I came into the show, and I don't know about you guys, I, I came into the show, I had heard a couple 
you know, things about it from blogs and I had heard some word of mouth from some people, but it wasn't like anyone was saying, this show is amazing. You got to check it out. It was like, oh, this is, you know, this new thing. It's, it's kind of cool. It's, you know, a science fiction show or science fiction premise, but it's also set in the eighties and it's got a lot of cool, you know, references going on. And it was like, okay, this is something maybe I want to check out. So I was intrigued, Mm -hmm. but getting into the actual story elements and the things that they did with like the, uh, the upside down and, you know, some of the characters, the, uh, like the, the evil, I don't say evil, but like the, the mad science type thought of, you know, uh, what, what that character was doing and the experiments and everything else like that. Like it really made me almost revisit some of my favorite shows or shows that I kind of hold to a certain high regard, like, you know, X-Files. To me, this show did X-Files better than the X-Files, you know, reboot or whatever, 10th season that they (laughs) did earlier this year. When I saw that first episode when the Demigorgon was chasing Will, like that was, there's a couple times throughout the, the, especially like the opens of the show, where I just immediately went back to the like prime X-Files and just thinking... When X-Files comes back for the, you know, ultimate season 11, which I know is going to happen at some point. Actually, they're already in talks for it, so it's going to happen. (laughs) Let the Duffer Brothers direct an episode. Like, let them direct an episode. I want to see it it because they did it so well. They did it better in a lot of regards than people who have been connected to the franchise for 30 years did when they had the opportunity to bring it back. Like, they nailed that essence better that essence of the, the supernatural kind of horror mystery thing than the creators of the show did. Well, they used, they used the time period they were getting back to, which was what I thought was like their most uh, artful, you know, uh, thing that they did. They, they used that. They, they didn't just say, oh, we're going back to the 80s, so we're going to write a 2016 plot in the 80s. They, it's sci-fi, so it has to be breaking the boundaries of science. But they use the fact that they're back in the 80s, so they've got this, like, goofy uh, tank full of smart water to make a psychic, you know, person. Like, they've got the conspiracy theory aspect of it. They've got the... They made you feel like they were breaking the boundaries of science within that decade. And that was what was beautiful yes, about yeah. it. They used... They put you back in that time frame, and then they and then they used that to, like, to make it groundbreaking. I mean, yeah. it was... Well, just even the, the the act of like when they went into this other realm, you know, the upside down, like yeah. the the costume design, the yeah. the blue lights against their faces on the helmets, and oh. when they went in, it's just this total eerie, you know, Eight ashen, just uh. yeah, just really like <laughs> yeah. like disturbing okay. world that they go into. That and that's really I wanted to touch on. Are you trying to talk about that shot? Oh yes, the oh, best shot in the whole. Oh, oh, what do you think is the best shot? In the okay, thing? I gotta hear. When they finally go into like when uh, Hopper and uh, Will's mom, Winona uh, Ryder, mm. Joyce. <laughs> Sorry, uh, when Joyce and Hopper finally go in to like go through the portal and go into the the upside down. There's a moment where they just start sh- showing the shot, and it looks like roots. Like, it looks like the roots of a tree. And the camera just slowly spins around to show them standing. And they're the, like, trees in this world. And it was just this beautiful, like, like representation of the Upside Down. And showing 
where they are and it just set the tone and it was so beautifully done. I, I just thought it was so well done, especially for like a series, just the the special effects, what they were able to accomplish. It was just phenomenal. I mean, I really felt like I was impressed. Well, I really was impressed. Special effects on a budget too. Like certain scenes they did, like when they, when they had uh, Eleven in that realm in her tank and they, it was just a, an empty room with like, you know, like just a centimeter of water. Wow. Like, yeah. Wow. Who wasn't and blown away? It's, it's sensory deprivation. Yeah. Is well, what that is. Yeah. yeah. Well, they, they also yeah, very, that, that, that makes sense. Is that she can feel just that little bit of water that's like around her maybe. And that's the, what it is. Yeah. Yeah. But very, it was so haunting though. Very cleverly too. And I'm where sure you guys were. noticed this, but I thought it was cool. Like, uh, you had that scene, for example, where, they're trying to trap the Demogorgon in the house. Yeah. Um, and, okay, it's a, a, a show. They've got a, a, a television budget, more or less. Mm -hmm. They don't have this crazy CGI that they're using. They know that, you know, if you kind of sit there and scrutinize the, the CGI that's creating the Demogorgon, it, it's going to have show some holes. It's going to show the, the patches. So if you notice, they're very quick shots, and it's very mm. dark, and they're you know playing with lighting, the Christmas lights, which was genius. But just all the stuff they're doing to kind of mask, you know, you can see there. It's almost that mentality of like you're using miniatures or something like that. Like they don't have a lot of money, they don't have a lot of resources, so they're being creative with how they yeah. show this creature. And for me, the creature worked. It was oh. fucking terrifying. But <laughs> like I, I really, yeah. it worked for me. Like I was really. It was ominous every time that they even said, like, okay, it's it's nearby, yeah. or it's it's coming, you know. Definitely. The only time it, it had a lot of gravity around it, the only time the CGI was, like, questionable in the show for me was that first time that they showed the portal, and the guy was going into it, and he, like, put his hand through, and the stuff was, I don't know. That was the only time that, that it looked kind of bad. Everything else was phenomenal, even, like, on their budget. The, the special effects looked so good. They did a really good mix of practical and CGI. They did a very low amount of CGI for what they could have used. Yeah. I think it was a huge part of what they were paying homage to is saying, like, it was this time in sci-fi when you couldn't create the monster on screen, you know, for 90 minutes or whatever. So something was found. There was a terrifying place where you had to, like Jaws. You couldn't put Jaws on the screen for very long in the original movie, so it was very terrifying because he was, it was so suspenseful and he was on the screen so sparingly. And then you get to the other, like, follow-up Jaws movies and they can afford to put him on screen and suddenly they're not scary anymore. I, I got and they were paying homage to that for sure. I gotta shut that shit down for a second, Eric. It was never, you couldn't do it. It was definitely always you shouldn't do it. Oh, I feel Spielberg, Spielberg, and uh, and um, John Carpenter were all about that. Where it was like the fear builds when you don't see it. Mm -hmm. Jaws is scary because you never see the shark until the end. Nothing is as scary as what your mind will create. I'm I'm with you. It's totally you shouldn't do it. I'm just saying there were there was a this whole period, decades of sci-fi. Where they had to really limit because it was now sci-fi. You look at the top grossing movies every year. Sci-fi is always there. Always there. Oh, yeah. But 
there were there were decades where it was super niche, and so they couldn't afford to put, you know, monsters on the screen. And and it was and it was in its heyday then. I mean, those were some of the most wonderful sci-fi movies. Or you know, well, there wasn't really sci-fi television. Eh, there sort of was. That was some of the best sci-fi television and movies because you so, oh, what, the scene with the deer, though, man. Oh, that, that was, was awesome great. too. Yeah. That was one of the most terrifying. Th- I literally shouted. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, I did. Too. I was watching it with. Her, I was watching and my the girlfriend. Deer got yeah, pulled and I was like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, yeah, we did the same thing at like two in the morning. Yeah. Um. Oh, so so good. One so of the one afternoon, I was just like. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> one of the uh, the final things I wanted to bring up to you guys for sure because I think it's important. It's one of the important things about this show because it, it's just in a different era um, than a lot of the stuff we've kind of previously discussed in our podcast. Um, just like the medium it was released on. So here's a show in 2016 that was released on Netflix. So it's a streaming service. That has, you know, obviously gained a lot of power and a lot of sway in the last decade. Um, They've got a lot more money behind them now. They can do a lot more things. But here's a show that is, in a lot of regards, kind of like a a hardcore, like, sci-fi show. It's a really weird show when you think about it. It's a weird show and it's not very... It's not a very mainstream thing. Like, it's got a lot of relatable elements, but it's not, you know, the most mainstream thing in the world. And I've got people that I know, you know, people at work that aren't sci-fi fans coming up to me saying, have you seen Stranger Things? Mm-hmm. You got to check this show out. And, and they're telling me about it. And I'm like, I should be telling you about it, but they're <laughs> right. telling me about it. And it's because of the way it was released. It's that it's there. It's and snuck. everyone has Netflix. It snuck out. And most importantly, I dismissed that shit in a second. I was like, what's this trailer for Stranger Things? Wow, that poster poster is super corny. No, wow. the poster is amazing. In retrospect, the poster is amazing. But at the time, not having heard anything yeah. about it, I'm like, look at these assholes trying to pull off an 80s poster. This looks like the you're, Star Wars you're poster. You're no Drew Struz. Oh, wait, it is Drew Struz. <laughs> I'm waiting for our local disc replay to get Stranger Things posters in, and I'm going to buy them all. Gonna <laughs> That's the thing. That's the big thing. Duffer Brothers told Netflix, they're like, hey, we know you don't merchandise, but you better do it now, or else someone's going to beat you to the punch. People the, already have. The album, I don't know if you know this, Netflix doesn't release soundtracks. August 12th. They don't care about soundtracks. They don't care about merchandising because they think that that's a waste of their time. They think it's a waste of their focus. They think their focus should be on gaining more subscribers by gaining more content. And Duffer Brothers were like, guys, you are losing out on this. Release the soundtrack. Start making shirts. Start making posters. Start making action figures. You do this and you succeed immensely. And so Netflix is actually listening to them. And we're getting the soundtrack. And I mean, this more stuff. I'm sure this show, not just for like sci-fi fans, but anyone who's like between the age of like, I don't know, thirty-four and forty. This show means so much to them on a different level because they grew up in that time, mm-hmm. and so they're well, gonna buy this shit. Yeah. Well, what do you guys think though of like the the larger implication of shows like this? being released in this way where it was like no one really asked for Stranger Things. Netflix just kind of said, Stranger Things, you know, mm-hmm. 
And now it's like, wow, this is great. I mean, they kind of took a gamble on the IP. They, they took a chance on it. And here it is. It's so... Oh, sorry. I don't oh, think they were ready for it. It's really, really thing. tough to say, yes, this needs to happen more. Because we've seen this happen before. Uh, and it, the outcome was not good. Which was True Detective. True Detective just snuck in. And it was critically acclaimed in every aspect. Which meant that they needed to do better next time. Season two happened. Segway, segway, and it was not liked at all. I won't say it's awful because I haven't seen it, but I know what the critics said. Yeah, what the critics said, and what the fans even said. Also, it was not liked at all. So the question is, they're bringing back the original cast members. What? I heard a rumor that they were going to bring. Well, back so they're going to try. That's my last thing. I know we're pushing time, but this is the last like thing what's, before good size of bad sci-fi. Yes, because I immediately. My girlfriend always gives me shit about it because the first thing I do, and I'll say it, the Sorry, first thing I do after we, single. after we, fi- yeah, I know, <laughs> after we finish a series or a movie or, you know, whatever we're watching, I go in the bathroom and I'm immediately on like Den of Geek or like, you know, Kotaku or I or whatever. <laughs> and I'm like just reading like the reviews and I just want to see what people thought about it. And I, I, I and compare. slug into the sink. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm gonna say like I, I, I just, I, I love like analyzing it on my own, but then I want to hear what other people oh, thought of it, and and just speculation and kind of where people think it's gonna go. So this is one of those that's definitely been popular enough to where even though it hasn't been confirmed, it's definitely coming back. And we know um, where it, we know where it's going for sure. They've announced that. Well, I, I but that's this. the thing. So I want your guys' opinions because I've thought long and hard about it. This is one of those stories where. And I don't think Ben actually said it over the podcast, but we said it before. This was an eight-hour-long movie. This was very tightly written. It was very tightly scripted. It was very tightly plotted. That's why it worked. So my question is, would this work better with a second season where they it's a continuation of this eight-hour-long movie, this eight-hour-long story that they just told us that's very linear and wrapped up everything very nicely, or... Would this be something that would be interesting to kind of take the anthology approach no. and say, we're going to do, you know, something else, a supernatural no. thing. We're going to do aliens. We're going to do ghosts, no. whatever. I, I'm not necessarily saying I have the answer, but to me, I don't know. It, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> of course, Ben has the, the answer. The story didn't end. I feel like it, it that did. That is the perfect ending to this. It, the story it, it is not it, over. It did. But first of all, the, the point is moot. About the first of all, the point is moot because Duffer Brothers have confirmed that should it be renewed, cough, it will, cough. It's a sequel. And most importantly, it will take place one year from, from but the end of But then the challenge is going to be on the creative tell team a new story. to tell another eight-hour story, story that is as tight <laughs> And as well done as this one was. It has to be a new story now. The threat is dead. Now we have our Shadow Walker Will, our missing in action. Right, but I don't want to. I don't want to just. I just feel like it's. I honestly think that if that show would have just ended there, they didn't make a another season. Mm -hmm. It just ended there. That was a beautiful ending. No, that would have been awful. I loved that. That would have been awful. I would have end. Because it leaves it open. It leaves the fact Not that everything has to this have kind of a They don't want kind to tie of up. Stuff. Open endings are good, but they're still endings. Well, no, you're, you're fe- you were feeling really good about that ending. Everyone's happy, and then boom, barfs into a sink, and it's just like, what the fuck? But if yeah. they never made another one, that would have been that's no. great. Well, the, the, ambiguity, the ambiguity of Hopper going into the woods. Yes! Right, and yeah. putting the waffles 
in the little box. Yeah, like, what if she is dead, but he just does that as like a <laughs> some sort of ritual? That's what happens, I know. But it's out. just like, to me, immediately upon finishing it, that was the first thing I turned to my girlfriend and said. I said, I hope if there's a season two, it's not a continuation. I hope they go in a yeah. different direction with it. Well, tough luck. Your bad opinion is wrong. You get the same characters. <laughs> I said the same characters, but it's ben, a different. He thought long and hard about this in the bathroom. Okay. <laughs> I did. I, I hope there's slugs in your body no. that, that force you to the veil. No, they can't continue it because it has the beauty of all aspects of what it, it's. It's like uh, what is it? The Schrodinger's cat kind of a thing. Like it's. It has all possibilities. Whatever you want out of the end of the show, it has it. Because if you want there to be sacrifice at the end, someone was sacrificed. If you want a happy ending, she's still alive. And for me personally, both of those things are happening at all. Like when I saw the end of that show, I was like, oh, somebody was sacrificed. Whoa, she's still alive. I'm yeah. satisfied in every way by the ending of the show. But as soon as they they make a season two, they collapse that and it's one of those things and it's no longer perfect. The Demogorgon It's either no one was sacrificed or I'm sad that she's dead. That's almost why I I would wish that they would go and, you know, season two comes in and, you know, it's it's sad because they spend so much time building these great characters and they have such a great cast. It would it would be very hard for them to do, and it'd be almost a waste of what they built. But at the same time, they wouldn't be beholden to the story that they told in the first season. They could go off in a new direction. Have you ever thought that they know where they're going, though? That this is intended to be a multiple season series? I don't know. It could I don't be. know. First of all, I'm going to say this, and I, thank God I finally have an unpopular opinion in this cast. Anthology yeah. series suck. They suck. It's been proven consistently. American Horror Story sucks. Um, uh, true, uh, what did I don't True Grit. True Grit. <laughs> true Detective. Well, you know what? It was a completely different cast both times. So, yeah, I guess. True Detective that, apparently true. sucked. All right, let's look at, uh, but, I guess, American Crime is. But is then, the, did the Duffer the Brothers do themselves a disservice by creating a story that wrapped up so well? It didn't. But it did. It did. <laughs> it, did. It, there, op- it was. There are such things as open endings. I will give it that to you. But it wasn't an ending. It was a cliffhanger. There's a difference. I was. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying in Inception, the the top never stops spinning. <laughs> That's an open ending, though. All the stories are wrapped up. No, but I love that. The I love stories like, were not wrapped up. Okay, no, I, everything. Everything was wrapped up except Will's story. And the fact that Will's story is not wrapped up would mean that the ending would be wrong. It wouldn't be good to end a story like that with having the most important character in the whole season to not have a proper ending. I'm just saying a story doesn't have to have a beginning and a middle and an end. And then you have if you don't have to if it doesn't have an end, you don't have to keep telling that story. He potentially launched the second season, but that doesn't mean that he has to be part of it. Just because he like spawn what he could, could be in it for the first episode season. of but next season. That's and fine. People yeah. were speculating. That's fine as long as the kids are in it still. People as were long as Mike, Dustin, and Lucas are still a part of it because they're the most important part. I already saw on, on blogs like people speculating like, oh, maybe, you know, uh, what's the sister's name again? Nancy. 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 Nancy going Nancy. into season two, she's eventually going to dump Steve. And it's like, I don't want to see that. No. I don't care about that. No. I don't care about that. That's yeah, that's a whole separate but, thing. But me you, and Eric but, arguing between Steve I mean, and yeah. Jonathan. So, so, so the, the, <laughs> crux, the crux of that I is... I agree with you. 
I, I, I almost prefer just to be left with what we were left with. And yeah, that wasn't the ending I wanted to see. Like, yeah, you know, I wanted to see her with the, the brother, you know, instead but, of Steve. But no. Steve's an asshole. What can happen in your mind if they don't, if they leave it open? You thought that they were together at the end. Yeah. And then you see yeah, her with yeah. Steve and you're just like, that's a logical but, choice. But that was a good, <laughs> but, but it was good. It was Did you good. hear those pipes? You hear them sing in the garage? That, that yeah. motherfucker came back for her. What? Yeah. <laughs> that was good. No, it... Oh. Uh, all right. So, good sci-fi, bad sci-fi, starting with Ben. Fantastic sci-fi, fantastic show. Everything was great. Your opinion's down to Jason, as usual. Uh, <laughs> fantastic sci-fi, fantastic show. Love it. Um, I'm excited to see where it goes next. Ben is wrong. Uh, <laughs> you will always be wrong in this sense. I'm uh, always go right. ahead. Uh, I'm going to say fantastic sci-fi and also a fantastic show. It blew me away. Uh, Mark is a good guy. Uh, Mark, good guy, Eric's cute. We're just, we're just talking about the people to their left now. Yeah. Little, little Ronnie's Ronnie, great. Little, little, little Ronnie Al. Oh, <laughs> oh man, I, I agree. Fantastic sci fi, fantastic show. Uh, Matt, I could give or take, but the show. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I, uh, I remembered something that I wanted to mention really quick. Do it. Uh, Wait, speaking of uh, reminiscent sci fi bits. Uh, there were definitely some alien elements in this. Yeah. Uh, there were there was an egg when oh, when Al yeah, yeah, when Al first interacted with uh, the Demogorgon and, oh, and touched it and connected yeah. the worlds. It was kind of like huddled over an egg, and then they also passed the sheriff and the mom passed by it when they when they mm-hmm. were in the uh, the other world. They passed by the, the egg and it was broken open and there was it was gone. Plus. They pulled the that snake kind of thing, the face hugger kind of snake thing yeah. out of him, and they kept coming. And then you know he spit up the thing that he incubated in, in himself. Yeah. So there were a lot of elements that they pulled out of Alien. I thought was interesting. I didn't realize it. There's a at shot the time. too. There's yeah. a shot too of the Demogorgon. It's an early shot that's very reminiscent of the first time you see a xenomorph down the hall. Yeah. So, oh yeah, yeah. When they're in the house. You know what I feel yeah. horrible about? We just spent an hour and ten minutes. We didn't even talk about Barb. <laughs> Barb, rest in peace, uh, you badass Great bitch. character, I love so, Barb. So, Matt. Amazing sci-fi, amazing show. Yeah. No complaints. Would you recommend, like, people watch it? Oh. No. Not at all. I don't want people to keep the show to myself. He gives his recommendation after we just ruined the show (laughs) for an hour. (laughs) Go check the show out. (laughs) They're just sitting there dead at their computer. Well, no, not to the people listening, but I was asking if you would recommend it to a person on the street. Yes. Oh, I've already recommended it to everybody. Watch it! Have you seen Stranger Things? Watch <laughs> it. I saw my dad naked once. That was pretty strange. <laughs> Have I seen Stranger Things than that? No. <laughs> Eric. Uh, great sci-fi. Continues the conversation on what is sci-fi, marries sci-fi to, to, to fantasy. Uh, Which is, in, I, I actually unabashedly. Yeah. I loved it. I was a big fan. Mm. Great. Woo. Take us home, Kyle. Uh, well, the Bachers are already home, but, uh, <laughs> no, uh, if you listen to this entire podcast episode without seeing Stranger Things, <laughs> at this point, I'm just going to call you an idiot, but, uh, thanks for listening. Um, <laughs> we love idiot. you still. Uh, <laughs> thanks for listening, idiot. Next week is, uh, 10, and that should be, uh, that should be a fun one.
Oh, it's going to be a good one. Indeed. We're not going to say what that is yet, though. It's a surprise. So uh, We actually don't know what it is. Well, <laughs> I do. But uh, thanks for listening, and uh, cheers. Bye. 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 Rest Bye. in peace, Barb 2016.